Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Something that took place in me in December of 2018. Now, the last couple of messages uh, last year that I spoke, I kind of alluded to it, but I want to kind of dig into what happened in December of 2018. And um, I was sitting in my living room. I have a chair that I like to do my morning devos in. I don't know. It's nothing special about the chair. I don't even know where it came from. But it's my spot, right? It's, it's comfortable. It's big enough. You know, he was talking about all the sugar. And if y'all don't want to take that home, y'all can send it to the Williams house. Just, just pay for it and send it on over because I'll eat it. But the chair is big. It's oversized. It's comfortable. It's what I like. I got a nice ottoman. I don't know why I'm saying all this, but... It's my spot, right? And I get in there, and I just get along with God, and I just break open his word, do the devotionals, and spend some time just loving on my father. You know, he, he, I, I tend to say, God, I know you hear all my issues all the time. Can I just call a time out and just love on you for a second and just tell you how much I appreciate you? And this is one of those moments. And I got so wrapped up and, and, and telling God how much I love him that stuff began to come out of my mouth that I wasn't thinking about. It just, become to, it just began to come out, and, and the words that began to come out that kind of took my breath when I heard them as I was saying them was I said, God, if you need to take my wife and you need to take my daughter, then do it. God, if you need to take this house that I'm sitting in, then do it. God, if you need to take the food off my table, if you need to take the clothes off my back, then do it. God, if you need to take this job away from me, and remove me from all the people I love, then do it, because I don't want anything to stand between me and you. Now, hear me this morning, and and, and some of the examples that I'm going to use, I didn't want to lose my wife and daughter. I don't want that. I love them with everything I got. I don't want to lose food, right? I don't want to lose clothes. I don't want to lose my house. I don't want to lose my job. But I had to get to the point And God was driving me to the point in his unimaginable love that says, you know what? I can give it up if I have to. And I so appreciate what Pastor shared a couple weeks ago about uh, Robert Morris, where Robert Morris goes and he looks at his house and he looks at everything. And if he sees something that just like, oh, I can't give that away, then he gives it away because nothing's going to have him. He's going to have the stuff. And it's okay to have stuff. It's okay to have clothes. It's okay to have food. It's okay to have a house and a family. It's okay to have a job. The problem is, is when, when that has you. And that's what you're living for. And it becomes an idol because it's between you and the Father. And that's where I had gotten December 2018. And from that point, I spent all of last year and the first two months of this year trying to get my footing on that moment that took place in 2018. And, and the word, as, as he began to unravel what was happening in my life, this word began to echo over and over and over, and it's called the pivot the pivot. And he began, you know, the further I pull away from that, that occurrence, the, the more clear 
what happened in that moment it becomes. And, and this word, the pivot, began to just be something that echoed over and over and over throughout 2019 in my life as the pivot. And the only thing that I could really relate it to was basketball. Because I grew up, I know I don't look like it, but I grew up playing basketball in high school. And, and a pivot, so if, if you got the ball and you can't dribble or whatever, your feet are allowed to do one of two things, and that's it. One of your feet has to be a plant foot. That foot cannot move. That foot can't slide, it can't move around or whatever, and you can choose which foot it is, but whatever you designated as your plant foot, if you're holding the ball, you can have a plant foot. But the other foot is called the pivot foot, and you can move that foot wherever you want to, as long as you're holding the ball and as long as you don't pick up the plant foot. And so he began to show me about this word pivot and what was kind of happening in me. And that kind of resonated with me because if you got a basketball, what, being able to pivot opens up a whole new world. Because if you're looking this way and you got the ball, all you can see is what's right here. You have no idea what's going on over here, or over here, or whatever. But if you could just pivot, you begin to see new options. You begin to see things that, that you haven't seen before. And, and what he began to tell me was that it doesn't have to be dramatic pivot. I mean, it could be even a little pivot and you see something completely different. And you see, and, and then he began to deal with me, this is what I'm doing in you. I am pivoting you. And so I spent, like I said, I spent all of last year and, and, and most of this year kind of trying to get my feet up underneath me. But if you know me for very long, I can't preach a message about pivot without showing you this video. How many friends, fans do we got in the house, right? Man, I grew, I love friends, and every time I think about friends, this is always one of the top two episodes that pop up, the word pivot. But uh, it's good to have fun in church, isn't it? Love it, love it. Who would have thought when they were making this episode that it would be <laughs> in a message? But it was God uses everything. He ordains everything for a purpose. And what's laid up for the wicked, right? Or what's, what was, what's, uh, what's the word? The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the wicked. We got to use it today. Anyway, that wasn't a part of the message. So anyway, so what I want to talk to you about this morning is the pivot from pleasure to purpose. The pivoting from pleasure to purpose. And there's a scripture that God began to ring in my mind over and over and over and over again last year and into this year, and it's found in Philippians 2 and 5. And I want to show you this. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus did. If we will leave that up for a second, because I want you to look at the, the first word on the second line. What's that word? have the same mindset. You know, that word is a very simple word, but in this context, it's a deep word. Because if we're to have the same mindset that Christ Jesus has when our relationships with one another, it's going to take some work. If we're going to have the same mindset with each other that Christ has, it's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some letting go of things that we hold dear. We pass over this word and we don't understand the weight and the heaviness of what it means to actually have the mindset of Christ. And this is what he was showing me in 2018 was that, Robbie, I'm pivoting your mindset from pleasures to purpose. I'm making the move in your mindset from pleasure 
to purpose. And this scripture just kept ringing over and over and over again. So to understand the mindset of Christ, we have to figure out what was his mindset? What was he like? What was he thinking? What were the things that he was doing? If we're to have it, then you and I have got to research it out and figure out what this was that he had. And, and the first time that we, that we see this, this kind of manifestation of his mindset was in Luke chapter 2. And we're not going to go there, but you'll know the story real familiar. So his family, and, and Jesus at this time was 11, 12, 13 years old, somewhere around in there. And his family had come to Jerusalem for a, a celebration, a, a feast or whatever. And then they were going home, Right. And the journey home was a couple of days or whatever. And they get to the house and they start checking off all the kids and they realize that Jesus is missing. Can you imagine? You know, the Bible doesn't unfold the thoughts, and I'm glad he doesn't, that Jesus' mom and dad were thinking in the moment, right? And you guys are parents, some of you guys, I mean, can you imagine I'd be looking at my wife saying, why didn't you keep up with him? And she would be looking at me and say, well, that's your job. I mean, you know, he's 12, you're the man, keep up with, I mean, the arguments, the fighting, because everyone's stressed out. Because it's not like losing any kid. This is the golden egg, right? <laughs> this is Jesus. He's gonna save all of humanity and we have lost him. Somewhere between here in Jerusalem and back, we have lost the golden egg. Did he get eaten? Did he get stolen? I mean, what's the deal? Too bad the Jericho Project wasn't up then because maybe he's in sex slavery. I mean, I don't know. What's happened to sweet baby Jesus at 11 or 12? And so they do like any good parent, and they turn around and they go back to the city. Now, I can imagine walking for two days with my wife, knowing that we both love Jesus, knowing the circumstances that take place and the fear and the anxiety, because this isn't like losing your kid on an aisle for 15 seconds. That feels like an eternity. I can't imagine being two days away from my child, not knowing where they are, not knowing what's happened to them, the thoughts, the arguments, the, the words, whatever that was being done in that moment as I go back. And then it says when they got back to Jerusalem, it took them three days to find him because he wasn't lost in a department store. He was lost in a city. And can you imagine what it took to uncover a child in a city? And they finally found him. And they found him in the best place of all. They found him in the synagogue. And he was sitting there and he was teaching older men about the word. But do you think for one second that mattered to those parents? Where they found him, would it matter to you where you found him? That's a good thing my mom wasn't Jesus' mom because she'd have busted up in front of all those men with a belt and just, just wore me out being gone for over five days, six days, not knowing, not anything. Man, it would have been awful. But she said, dude, and, and that's not in the Bible, but she said, dude, what are you doing? You know, and I'm sure there were some other choice words, right? What are you doing? And I'm sure Jesus wasn't a very uh, disrespectful kid, but he said, woman? Mm. <laughs> After all the stress and all the anxiety and all the fear and all the relief of finding him, he says, woman, why are you worried about me? I'm about my father's business. And we begin to see his mindset, even at a young age, 11, 12, 13, what he had come to do, what the mindset of Jesus was. Even at an early age, Jesus' mindset, because listen, the world was different back then, 
But all the issues are the same. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. The same things we deal with, he dealt with. The same, it's just manifested different, right? But it's the same stuff. And, it, and, and there's nothing new. And, and, and he had to pivot his mindset from pleasure to purpose. Because I'm sure he was as human as I was. I'm sure there were things that were driving his attention elsewhere. That were, pers- that were pulling on him to do other things, to play games or to hang out. But he had pivoted his mindset from pleasure to purpose. And then he spent the next 20 years of his life doing things and, and have, uh, performing miracles and doing all this stuff. And then the next place that, that we see this mindset come into place is in Luke chapter 22. It's at, toward the end of his, the last few days of his life And we all know this story very well. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's kneeling there, and and he knows what's laid before him. The the most cruel thing that anyone could ever have done to them was in front of him. And he began, like most of us to do, just saying, God, is there another way? Do I really have to go through this? And then he said, but, right? And then we see that his mindset is still not on pleasure, but on purpose, because he said, but not my will, but your will be done. And then he went on to do what no other man could have done for you and I, and that was fulfilled the purpose that God sent him to this planet. He had a purpose, you have a purpose, but in our, we have got to shift our mindsets from pleasure to purpose just like Jesus did. You see, this world is not built for your purpose. This world is built for your pleasure, but you're not. You realize that when you give your heart to Jesus, you are no longer built for pleasure. You are built for purpose. He called you, he ordained you, he set you apart for a specific purpose. This world isn't built for that purpose. The world is built for pleasure. Our pleasure comes when Jesus comes home and takes us back to heaven. That's where our pleasure begins. But until that moment happens, we are not here for pleasure. We're here for purpose. And we've got to switch this mindset. We've got to pivot that thought. It's not built for us. And, and as, um, as I began to think through the different things uh, that God was trying to change in me last year, and, and one of the things that came up, and, and it may not be your thing, but it was my thing. So I'm just going to share. It's still okay to be real and, and all that in this place. So for me, restaurants are a thing, okay? A bad one I don't like, a good one I love, right? You know, we all have our favorites. And, and these restaurants, no matter if you like it or not, has spent, this industry has spent billions and billions and billions of dollars to make sure that you have a pleasurable experience, right? They, they worry about lighting. They worry about temperature. They worry about food. They worry about seating. They worry about the layout. They worry about the location. They worry about the look and feel of the building, not for the person who's on in it, but for the customers who are coming in, wants them to have a pleasurable experience. And and, and they do that, and, they, and they, they set up hostess stands, and they give us waiters and waitresses to, to provide that. They give us a cook, and then we pay for that service and that pleasure. But in my mind, God began to shift my mind from where I eat, from pleasure, 
to purpose. Because a lot of times you and I get upset when we go to a place to eat. You know, I, I can think back on some of my own experiences. I remember walking into Cracker Barrel sometime, and the, it takes the lady like five seconds to even acknowledge my existence. And that frustrates me, right? I mean, like, do you, hello, I'm, I'm standing right in front of you. What could you possibly be doing other than your job, right? So I get frustrated at the fact that, that she will not acknowledge me, and I'm already mad now, even before I order my food. I'm already uh, just mad. And I, and I sit in a place that I really don't want to sit. They put me in the middle. I'm an introvert. I like the corners. I like the sides. But they put you right in the middle. And, you know, us big people, our shirts tend to ride up when we sit down in seats. And so their chairs don't have a, don't have a solid back. And so you have to keep adjusting your shirt so your hiney don't show. And, and, and you're just frustrated, right? You're already mad. Now you're sitting somewhere you don't want to sit. And here comes this waitress. And she said, can I help you? And like, you know what? Yeah, move me, you know, <laughs> seat me somewhere else. And, and she takes your order and, and you don't pay her no attention. The food comes out and it's not as good as you thought it was going to be because you're mad. It probably is really good, but you don't, your mind isn't there. You're mad. Food isn't good. So, so you sit down and it comes time to pay out and you give the lady a dollar like all of that was her fault. And we're just mad and we're angry because our pleasure wasn't met. We didn't have a good, pleasurable experience. And so we walk out and we're frustrated and we vent to everybody else. Don't you ever go to Cracker Barrel because that lady won't acknowledge you and they seat you in a seat that you can't sit. I mean, you just kind of do the whole process. And shifting and God was saying, what if you viewed that not as your pleasure, but as your purpose? Because who knows what that hostess has been through with the first 300 people that have come through that day before she even got to you. Did you even bother to speak? Did you even bother to say something? Did you even bother to stop and listen? Is God telling you to say something to her and speak life into her? When you go sit down where you're not comfortable, what if God puts you there on purpose? What if you're sitting beside the next table and they're struggling and they're going through a hard time? What if you're there to be a minister, not to get food, but to be a minister, pivoting your mind from pleasure to purpose? Who knows what the cook had to endure? Cook, man, I'm telling you, a cook gets laid into, not by managers, by waitresses, and by customers. Who knows what they've been going through? And that poor sweet lady or gentleman that's waiting on you, knowing they don't even make minimum wage, and you're going to say, here's you a dollar, and ain't got nothing to do with her. What about her? What about him? You see, it's the, it's the shifting in our minds from pleasure to purpose, because I promise you it was no accident that you were born when you were born. It's no accident that you live in the city of Bremen. It's no accident that they decided to put a cracker barrel. We all think these are our decisions, but can I tell you, God may let you think that's your decision, but it's on purpose, and it's by design. And you being there that day isn't about you receiving pleasure. It's about your purpose. And we miss it a lot of times because our mindsets are not about purpose, but they're about pleasure. And so, the, so God really began to deal with me about that. Now, do I do it right all the time? No, we went to eat somewhere last night, and I didn't even give it a second thought. So the word have, having the, the mindset takes work, and it takes discipline, and it's not going to happen overnight. But it's, but it's the pivoting 
That's the point, right? You gotta, you gotta start and you gotta move and you gotta start working at it. And the other thing that God began to deal with me last year, and I, and I, and I don't know that he wasn't trying to deal with me sooner because my daughter is a senior in high school now and, and it's kind of almost late in the game for me, but not really. But he began to deal with me about the way I raised my daughter last year. And, and he began to deal with me with the fact that I wanted her to grow up to be a good kid. And that's good, right? We all, and it's okay for us to want our kids to be good. We, I wanted her to, to, to do well and, and to grow up, you know, being polite. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Those kind of things that, that are polite. And I wanted her to do good in school and I wanted her to, to smile and I wanted her to be a good person and, and all of that. But he began to talk to me about why did I want all of that stuff for her? And I had to come to the realization that I wanted it for my pleasure because it's easier to raise a kid who's polite. It's easier to raise a kid who has good manners, who's not sitting in jail, who's not out trying to cause trouble. It's easier to raise a kid that way. And I'd be, you know, we had our, my daughter has type 1 diabetes, so she has an IEP at school. And we had our last IEP meeting a couple of weeks ago at school. And I hate to say the last one, but it was the last one. And I cried just thinking about it being the last one. But, but it's the last one. But, and we're in there with all her teachers. And one of the teachers looked over, because my wife works a real job, and she wasn't able to be there uh, during the time to time span. So it was just me and Kylie and all of her teachers. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, you did good. You did good because she's a good kid. She, she's smiling all the time. She has a big heart. She loves people. And, you know, my chest is puffing out and, and, and started, I felt the tears coming because you just get so happy to hear other people say that about your kid. And, and I walked out of that, that high school a little taller, you know, proud to have her with me because I checked her out. So, because we're going to go celebrate. I told her when we got in the car, I said, what do you want? You can have anything you want. You know, so we got in the car and all that, and God began to say, that's good, but what about her purpose? But what about her purpose? She's a good kid, but is she fulfilling the call that I have on her life? You're getting more excited about who she is rather than what she's doing for me. And so God began to deal with me on how I raise my kid. I want them to be polite. I want her to be a good person. But above all of that, I want her to fulfill her purpose that God has her. So, so maybe when she was younger, I should have raised her to focus more on purpose. Maybe I should have done some things that would help drive her to finding her purpose because she'll tell you that she doesn't know what God's will is for her life. And is that on me at this point? Because I, I raised her for my pleasure not for her purpose in life. So those may not have anything to do with you, but that's what God has been dealing with me over the last couple of years, or last year and a couple of months, at least for a little bit. Um, I want to show you a scripture here, Colossians 3 and chapter 2. It says, set your what? Minds on things above, not on earthly things. And we won't take the time out to read the entire chapter of Colossians chapter 3 because we're ready to eat, right? We're all ready to go. So I won't take time, but I want you to, I want you to listen to this list. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. 
listen to the things that are above that he's telling us as we begin to make this pivot, what our minds should be setting on. Y'all ready for this list? I don't know that you are. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and we can all stop just right there, right? Bearing with each other, forgiving one another, love, peace, and thankfulness. That list is found in Colossians 3, 12 through 17. That's what we should be setting our minds on. That's the things above that he lists that we should be setting our minds on. Now let's flip it, because he lists the things that we should, we should stay away from, that our minds should not be sat on. And listen to this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and lust is different than sexual immorality. He already covered that. So the lust of the stuff, evil desires, greed, idolatry, which is anything between you and God, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Those are the things he tells us to stay away from. That's in Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Those are the things that he tells us to stay away from. Setting our minds, taking this moment and pivoting off of pleasure and on to purpose. It opens up and it creates a whole new world. Just like when you're holding that basketball, just a pivot creates a whole new avenue of viewing and thinking. If we could pivot, if we could figure out how to take our minds off of the pleasures of this world and pivot them to what we're here to do, the purpose, it will change everything. And it will make things so much better. You know, in this positioning, God began to show me. He said, you know, in this positioning, as, as I've got you pivoting from, from pleasure to purpose, your posture in this pivot should be open-handed. It should be open-handed. He said, because the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from who? Do y'all know that scripture? Every good and perfect gift comes from where? God, and it's his, the Bible say, says, to give and to take. It's his. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, and it's his to give and to take it back. And in this moment of pivoting from pleasure to purpose, he was saying, Robbie, your posture has to be open-handed. He said, because this is what you've been doing. He comes around, and he puts a blessing in your hand, and I close my hand, and I pull it closed because I've been praying for that blessing. I've been praying for that good and that perfect gift. I've been stressing years for this thing and I hold it close to my heart and I identify with it and it becomes something that, that, is, that is my identity and I wanna hold it. But then here comes God circling back around with another gift for me and I can't receive it because I'm holding on to this one so tight, so to my heart because it's what I've been praying for. God, this is my blessing from you. But he said, Robbie, if you'll just stay open-handed, I'll come around and I'll put that blessing in your hand. And you can love it and you can admire it and you can thank me for it and all that, but I'm going to circle back around and I'm going to take that one and I'm going to put a new one in. Because we know everything with God comes in seasons. 
And there's times and there's seasons for everything. So the blessing that I got 15 years ago is not the same blessing that he wants to give me today. Things change. You grow up and you mature and you keep moving forward. But if we don't let things go, if we don't allow God to take it back, we can't get another one. And I, and I think sometimes that's why we keep getting stuck. And we say, God, this blessing that you gave me 13 years ago, man, it's brought me so much pleasure. And we get caught up in the pleasure of that instead of saying, God, is this your real purpose for me now? Because this is great and I love it, but God, if you need to take away my wife and my daughter, if you need to take away the food off my table, take it away because nothing can be between me and you. Bree, if you'll come so they'll know we're landing this plane. And listen, if obedience to Christ isn't enough for you to start and begin to pivot your mindset from pleasure to purpose, I want to show you three really quick reasons why we should. Why we should. The first one is to know God's will for our life. How many in here want to know what God's will is for your life? Do you know why so many of us don't know what that will is? It's because we haven't pivoted our minds from pleasure to purpose. And I want to show you this in, in this scripture here, Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Taking your mind and pivoting. Don't be conformed to the things of this world, but pivot them, right? Take them off of pleasures and pivot them. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good is pleasing his perfect will. Maybe you're here today and you don't understand what God's purpose is for your life because your mindset is pleasure and haven't pivot to his purpose yet. If you pivot to his purpose, that becomes. See, a lot of times we want to say, God, I'm going to do this and I want you to come with me. Right? I want to, I'm going to take this job. I'm going to live in this place and I'm going to da 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 and I want you to come with me. You follow me, God, and we're going to have a great life. That's about pleasure. But God is about purpose, and it's like, no, I'm God. Pivot, and I'll show you the purpose, and you follow me, and I will show you what your purpose is. It's that pivot. If you, if you don't know what your purpose is, maybe because we haven't pivoted yet. The second why, to have peace and to please God. How many of y'all can stand some peace in your life? How many of y'all can stand some peace? Well, not too many of it. That's good, Pastor. Although we got a lot of peaceful people here in this building. I know I can stand some more peace in my life. And I want to please my Father. And I think sometimes my, my belief is we don't have the peace that we need because we're pursuing pleasure, not pursuing purpose. The Bible says very clear that, that peace is not a feeling. And if you're pursuing pleasure, people are going to let you down. You know, restaurants are going to let you down. Your kids are going to let you down. The pastor of this church will let you down. Just sorry, he's a human being, just like you and just like me. I'm going to fail you. This church will fail you. Things are going to happen. The church you came from probably fell. I mean, I'm just saying things are going to happen. And we get so upset and we get so discombobulated because our minds are on pleasure, not upon purpose. And peace isn't about a feeling. 
Because the whole world could be falling apart, but you could be at peace because you're on purpose. Because you're on purpose. And I'll show you this in the scripture. It's Romans 8, chapter, uh, verses 8 through 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their what? Come on, mindset on what the flesh desires. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. See the pivot there? Pivot there? The mind governed by the flesh leads to what? Death. If you don't pivot, it's in black and white, it leads to death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and there's your peace. You find peace on the road to purpose. You find that the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. It's not pleasing to God. If you want to please the Father, the last thing, the last why is that God will be with us. And I'm telling you, church, if we, if there's ever a time where we need God with us, it's right here. It's right now, it's today. And if we wanna have God with us, we've gotta be on this path of purpose. We've gotta pivot our mind off of the pleasures of this world and onto purpose. And this is found in Philippians 4, eight and nine. And you guys know this scripture so well, you could probably quote it. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about those things. Pivot your mind. Get it on those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And who and the God of peace will what? The God of peace is on the road to purpose. You and I have to pivot from pleasure to purpose. How do we do that? How do we make that pivot? I'm gonna go right back to that very first scripture. Philippians 2, 5, in your relationships to one another, and there's that word, have. Have the mindset, how do you get it? It's work, and it's discipline, and it's sacrifice. This church, I believe, has an has a awesome destiny ahead. Not just for this community, but I believe this church is gonna be an influencer in our state, in this country, and around the world. I believe the things that are gonna come out of this place in Bremen, Georgia are gonna be huge influencers to the rest of this world. But, but this church can't do it if the mindset is about pleasure. The only way to achieve that destiny is that this church has to pivot from pleasure to purpose. Listen, the, the Jericho project is awesome and I can't wait to see it. I, in my brain, I already see it, up and running and, and doing things, but can I tell you that that's not the end? That's just the next step for us as a church. That's not the end. There's something even beyond that, but we'll never get to it if we're just built on pleasure and not on purpose. And the only way for this church 
to pivot from pleasure to purpose is that as you as an individual pivot from pleasure to purpose because this church isn't a building it's people and that's you you're the people and so if this church is ever going to become what God has destined us for, to become, you and I have to get our minds off of the pleasures of this world and pivot them to purpose. Can we stand? We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.